Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong here with the man himself, Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Jason. I hope you are. I'm doing great. I got to visit your team earlier this week. Got some uh, legal documents completed. Actually, I was going to mention that because for the folks out there uh, listening, uh, I had the, a wonderful opportunity to meet uh, Jason's wife and his young son, Arthur. Uh, now, Arthur, how old is he? he? He just turned one. Well, he's a handful. Uh, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but now, uh, and Arthur is their second child, but obviously, Jason has a young family. And young families have. Uh, planning issues, uh, just like uh, seniors. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of, of young couples, once they start having children, sometimes they don't think about the fact that they're old enough to, to get into trouble and old enough to where bad things can happen to them. And uh, just like any adult, they should have basic documents. But once they have children, then it's really important for a couple to establish a plan just in case something bad happens to both a husband and wife. And that includes uh, appointing, naming someone that you both agree on who should take care of your children. That's called the guardian. Uh, and another person, sometimes the same person, who would manage the assets that you leave for your children. And that would be your trustee, and then have some uh, trust terms as to how you want your children brought up. And and you can do that uh, with a trust, and, and most young people do a trust like that in a last will and testament. In other words, you can have a trust in your will, and young people, for for most young people, that's exactly where it should be. Now, for those young people who have already accumulated millions of dollars, then I would say probably a, a, a living trust as opposed to a testamentary trust would be uh, the way to go. And of course, uh, folks who've listened to me uh, know that I've talked about creating a supplemental needs trust for spouses in their wills for each other. That's another type of trust that we do in a will. So young people and seniors, uh, oftentimes uh, a trust in the will can be extremely helpful. Now, you don't do those kind of trusts for tax planning or heritage planning uh, or asset protection planning for your children normally because um, that can be done so much better in a living-type trust. Uh, so uh, we, we talk about that. But anyway, it was delight uh, to meet uh, Jason's wife and young Arthur because I always enjoy all my clients. And uh, now, of course, uh, I should also say that this past week we had our monthly seminar on long-term care planning, and that was a lot of fun. And we also did our asset protection seminar. And for all of those of you out there who missed those free seminars, 
uh, we do them every month, so sign up for next month, you know. If <laughs> so, And it's a lot of fun, and folks do, well, fun for me. I'm not sure how much fun it is for the audience, but at least you learn a lot. So that's, that's uh, an important thing, and, and knowledge is everything because uh, particularly in, in both of these areas, whether it's how can you actually effectively protect your property or how can we pay for this extraordinary expense called long-term care, uh, are there options for us? And that's where these seminars come into play. So if you missed us this month, catch us next month. You can do that by going online to WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. The next one coming up is Wednesday, March 10th. So you have plenty of time to prepare for that. But go ahead and sign up now. It's free to do so and it's free to attend. Bill is doing these in the form of webinars. And, you know, he says, you know, I hope people enjoy it. It's it's a very wonderful learning experience and you do learn a lot. And if uh, long-term care or asset protection and trust planning apply to you and that's something that you're interested in, you're going to find it very valuable wgalaw.com just click on that seminars button to find more information and uh bill you know we uh didn't get to talk about this much last weekend but we we had a super bowl that uh yeah we did and i I have to admit uh and i hope i don't offend anybody but my team won i i tend to root for the underdog and i tend to root for the old guys who aren't supposed to do as well (laughs) But somehow come out on top, and so uh, the the Buccaneers uh, uh, certainly fit into both categories. Uh, with the oldest quarterback in the NFL being now he happens to be the most successful one as well. But at the same time, uh, you know, all the pro- you know for the the folks who were predicting the outcome. There were very few who actually predicted the Buccaneers to win, and and they truly outperformed the Chiefs. Uh, no matter how you cut it, they played a darn good game. So for those of us who were cheering for, well, I should say rooting, there wasn't much cheering going on uh, at the Super Bowl parties, if you will, and my party consisted of um, my spouse and me, and that was it. <laughs> so we had plenty of food, and I'm sure you guys did too. But uh, it was it was fun for me because my team won. But you know, for the for <laughs> it was, uh, and of course, it, uh, the Super Bowl is always a fun thing to watch, whether you have a team in the Super Bowl or not. It's just the festivities and the commercials are just always a lot of fun. And 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 I have to say the thing that impressed me more than anything in the Super Bowl was how it started with a collage of Vince Lombardi. Uh, that was the coolest thing. I mean, I, I was just totally taken back. It was uh, whoever produced it, it was extraordinary. So I hope everybody got to see that one. Uh, and of course, I, I mean, I'm sure everybody has their own favorite moments, but it it, uh, it was a lot of fun, and it, it it might as well be a national holiday. <laughs> it's more valid than a, a number of other holidays out there. Uh, but, uh, don't yeah. say that. Don't say that. <laughs> They're all important. Uh, that's for sure. But it was fun. Now, actually, this week I had uh, um, an appointment that you know it was interesting, and I think folks will. 
It was unusual. It was a younger lady um, who was fairly successful, uh, owned her own home. Now, she still had mortgage payments to make, uh, and she had her, her own business, single, no children. But she came in and said to me, and she had been referred by another client, uh, which I always appreciate, by the way. Um, but she came in and said, uh, well, I, I want to trust because I want to protect my, my home, and I want to protect my business. And I'm planning to get married on September 11th of this year. <laughs> and I was uh, so anyway. Uh, the bottom line is is that uh, now in this case, after a, a lot of of talking back and forth, I determined that actually this young lady was doing fairly well for herself, uh, and everything was in her name. She had been independent. Uh, but uh, and she was planning to get married, and so the real issue became what's better to protect her home and her business. Was it a trust of any kind or a prenuptial agreement? Uh, now and so, actually, in her case. Uh, and a lot of folks don't understand it. This was a this was a first marriage for her, and it's very unusual for folks to think in terms of having a prenup at a first marriage. But the fact is, she's a good bit older than the normal first marriage. And you know, first marriage, most most kids don't have anything. You know, they don't own diddly squat. <laughs> And so they're just getting started, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, in second marriages, people t tend to have acquired a good bit, and sometimes they have children, and they want to protect it. Well, in this case, this young lady did not have children, and this was a first marriage for her, but she did have assets. She'd been independent for a good while, and... In her case, it was I, I had to tell her. I said, "Look, you don't need me. A trust won't work to do what you're trying to do. A prenuptial agreement is what you need." And she said, "Why? I don't. I really don't. I'm adverse to prenuptial agreements. I just, you know, I, I just don't like that concept." And and I said, "Well, you came here for asset protection planning, and here's the thing." You could transfer your home and your business into an irrevocable trust, but it won't protect you from something that may happen in your marriage. Why? You can protect the corpus, in other words, what it's worth now, but you're still making payments on your house. And once you get married, every payment that you make, you're making with marital property. Uh, so any appreciation in your home from what it's worth, you know, at, on the date of your marriage and any payment that you make for the next 20 years, all is going to be with marital property. So in essence, uh, while it may be your house in title, there is a substantial uh, marital property interest by your spouse without a prenuptial agreement. Same thing is true for your business. You can transfer 
its current value, but everything you earn, all the money you take home or any money that you leave inside your business, all of it is marital property. If it's acquired after the marriage, it's marital property. So I said, if you if you want what you're seeking, which is asset protection for your home and your business, it's a no-brainer. You need a really well-drafted pre-marriage or prenuptial agreement uh, for yourself. And it's sunk in because... <laughs> Uh, and and truthfully, uh, her uh, spouse, uh, and this this was also a, a no brainer because she actually had more income and more resources than the person she was expecting to marry, and that it was likely to be that way in the future as well. So, uh, it, 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 you know, there's uh, sometimes. In order to skin the cat the way you need to, it's not always about uh, um, a trust document. Now, trust can come in handy for a lot of things, but uh, this is one where I referred her to a family law attorney to uh, talk to them about a, a, an ironclad prenup. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, that's why it's so important to seek the advice of a professional, because uh, had she gone to someone um, different, you know, maybe that person says, oh, OK, well, you want to trust. Here's a trust. And that wasn't what was in the best interest of the client. And uh, Bill, you know, that's that's why it's so important to find someone who is trustworthy and reputable and also an expert in their field to be able to let you know, hey, this is actually not the the best option for you. Here are some other options. So uh, you can always schedule an appointment with Bill if you have a question for him. You can do that by going to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. You can also go to that website to register for Bill's seminars. Next one happening on March 10th, WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button there. You can also call the office if you would like to register for the seminars or if you have questions, 919-256-7000. If you need to schedule an appointment with Bill, 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can always find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill's seminars dealing with asset protection and trust planning and also long-term care assistance when it comes to dealing with a long-term care financial crisis. WGALaw.com. Register for those free seminars. Next one's happening on Wednesday, March 10th. I am Jason Kong. It's the pleasure of being alongside Bill Alexander. And Bill, uh, I'm interested in our, our next segment here because you, you give me a list of topics before the show that you want to run down. And um, you've got debt and budget on here, and you always have some interesting perspective when it comes to, to the debt. Well, no, no question about it. And, and of course, uh, right now, I mean, because there are a lot of different things you can talk about. You can talk about personal debt, family debt government debt and of course right now that's sort of at the forefront because 
of this pandemic and some fairly significant spending last year and the proposed spending this year. Uh, and, and quite fr- frankly, even though I am a proponent of almost everything that Dave Ramsey <laughs> talks about, not everything, but most everything, uh, because I do believe that getting rid of your debt is one of the most important things that we can do as individuals and as families. But let's talk a moment about federal and state debt. And, and um, you know, the, the thing about it is that right now uh, all of the economists are saying that the bigger the stimulus package the faster our economy will recover. And I think all of us understand that that is the most important thing right now. A small stimulus might mean a very weak or longer-term recovery on the economy. So to me, even though I don't like additional spending, Right now, it's one of those things to come out of this pandemic and the issues that we're facing. It's the smartest move the government can make. And because if, in fact, the economy rebounds as the uh, in a big way, as the uh, uh, as the gurus, if you will, uh, are predicting, uh, and quite frankly, the even the stock market right now is doing well because the prediction is that this stimulus package that's being proposed will, in fact, stimulate the economy, and we will have a robust economy uh, fairly quickly as a re- as a result of it. So, as much as I like to have debt paid quicker, uh, if you if you end up with more money from a from a good economic recovery, our ability to reduce the debt sooner is actually better than if we don't. Um, You know, back when we had the uh, Great Depression of 2008, it took four years to recover from that. And one of the reasons it took so darn long is because the stimulus packages that were proposed back then were extremely modest and didn't do enough. So I think the government has learned its lesson uh, on that one. Uh, it seems to be a no-brainer. So uh, hopefully we will see the results of a very large stimulus package uh, this year. But with that said, that puts off the debt discussion. <laughs> but... And in, uh, it, now, yes, our debt has clearly increased nationally into significant trillions of dollars. You know, you're, we're talking over $30 trillion at this point. And in order to reduce the debt, I'm going to say something that uh, nobody seems to get. You have to have a balanced budget. In other words, you spend... You, your spending equals what you're taking in. That's what's called a balanced budget. Or if you want to reduce the debt, your spending has to be less than what you're taking in. So now, the the real sad part, and this is not uh, 
political. It it because it, it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat, Republican, or anything in between or outside the lines. It doesn't matter because the last time we had a truly balanced budget was over 20 years ago. It, uh, my, I believe it was 1998 and 1999, and that was back when Republicans and Democrats actually worked together. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and it was not only that, it was bipartisan. Uh, and who was president? Bill Clinton was president during those two years, and Newt Gingrich, a Republican from Georgia, was Speaker of the House. And the balanced budget, quite frankly, was proposed by Newt Gingrich, but it was also embraced by the White House. And so, in essence, in order for that to happen, there had to be something we haven't seen in the last few years, and that was cooperation between the legislative and executive branches, where they compromised and actually came out with something that really was wonderful for the country for at least two years. And now, uh, of course, uh, the next president after Clinton was, in fact, a Republican. That was George W. And that, and of course, the the budget wasn't balanced after that. Why? Because that's when we went into the Desert War. Uh, and anytime you start a war, you're not going to be able to uh, spend less than what you take in. And, and we haven't had a balanced budget since. Whether it's Democrat or Republican, doesn't matter. <laughs> they all spend too much. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is. Now, fortunately, in North Carolina, as a state, unlike some other states, uh, we have a constitutional requirement to have a balanced budget. And that's one reason that our state operates as efficiently as it does. It's one reason we have the highest bond rating that us, uh, uh, anyone can have. Um, and that makes a difference overall. So, you know, anyone now, not that, that uh, uh, if you were interested in tax-free bonds and you reside in North Carolina, North Carolina bonds are safe compared to municipal bonds from other states that don't have balanced budget requirements. So all of that might be um, at least interesting to you. But I want to talk about debt in another way uh, uh, this morning, and that is why? Because debt over time destroys nations. Could it destroy this country? It could. If, if we in the future, in the next few years, don't get a handle on a balanced budget and get our debt under control, it may very well destroy this country. But it clearly, more personally, uh, destroys businesses. It, you know, you see bankruptcies all the time. It destroys families. You see divorce. And what's the number one cause of divorce but financial problems? Um, so, uh, clearly, uh, if you can stay out of debt or get out of debt over time, then at least for most of us, that is a very, very, uh, good idea. And it relates, uh, also to some degree, uh, to the banks. Uh, and you might, because, 
uh, you know, you might ask, well, how do banks invest their money? Well, banks tell you that you should have, you know, checking accounts and money market accounts and CDs. Have you ever known a bank to invest in a CD or a money market? <laughs> well, I know that seems funny to us, but no, banks don't invest that way at all. They, they invest in lending money. At least that's one way they make a lot of money. And so if you think about how most families, you know, most credit can help people, uh, but at the same time, debt, if it's not managed well, can, can really kill you. And so one of the things that I want to talk about as it related to debt and interest is something that people don't even think about, some folks don't know about. Have you ever heard the word uh, interest vol or debt volume? No. You ever heard of that? No. Well, for instance, if uh, because most people have different types of debt, they'll have um, they'll have an interest rate on their home, and of course, right now is an excellent time to finance, uh, refinance, or finance a home. It, interest rates are extremely low. Uh, a lot of folks will finance their car. A lot of folks will finance a lot of other things business-wise. Uh, you know, there's a lot of financing that goes into businesses. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people um, actually uh, use credit cards, and they don't pay them off on a monthly basis. And do you, do you know how long it takes most families to get out from under a credit card that they don't pay off every month? Do you have an idea? Uh, years. Well, that's exactly right. A uh, hundred. The average is 186 months. Wow. And so you're talking about a little over 15 years. And do you know what the average interest rate is on credit cards? And this is lower than some. Yeah, somewhere maybe around 15, 16. No, it's closer to 20%. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, just some numbers that will give you pause is for those folks who are paying interest at and the average at 20%, you know what the volume is? In other words, how much do you pay back over time in dollars? Okay. So with a credit card over that period of time, you will have paid 210%. So in essence, you will have had paid more interest than principal, 110% more. <laughs> so that's pretty scary. But how about on your home? You know, a lot of folks have a mortgage in the uh, average range of about 4% for 30 years. How much, what do you think the volume is on that? Now, that's not near as bad as a credit card, but what do you think the volume is? 
Oh, maybe 150, 150%? No, no, no. Uh, 73%. Okay. Much lower interest rate. Okay. But, of course, as you know, you pay very little interest the first you know, 10 years of that loan, 30-year. And so 73, and so you're paying 100% of principal back. So on $100,000 over that 30-year period, you're paying $173,000. So that's a lot of interest over those years. And, of course, it's, well, it used to be deductible, (laughs) unfortunately. So, I mean, it's really interesting when you think about the the volume of how much you're paying and that's why Dave Ramsey's right about getting out of debt you know the average family that uses you know that buys a car buys a home on a 30 year mortgage uses credit cards like they shouldn't which a, lo- a lot of young people fall into that trap uh, the average interest is about over, it's over eight percent, and the a- average volume over a period of years is eighty six percent. So, all the principal back plus almost double, or you know, a little less than that. But that's still an awful lot of interest that's going where to the banks. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it just shows you because the most important business function in the world is banking, it's credit. And so it's the type of thing where you don't want the banks in your in your pockets if you can avoid it. That's that's a no-brainer. There are ways that some families can avoid uh, that. But most of us, uh, in order to get ahead, uh, we do use banking for very legitimate reasons. But there's one thing about banking that will always get next to you, at least for a lot of folks. You know what that is? What's that? Banks only lend money to people who don't need money. <laughs> so they can talk about it all they want, but that's that's the truth. <laughs> a very interesting perspective and a really unique way of looking at debt. You know, there's a reason when you get those disclosures whenever you're entering an agreement that they don't list it that way in terms of debt volume they, they just put, slap the interest rate on there and then this is this is why dave ramsey is more right than he is wrong uh, when it comes to being able to get out of debt as quickly as possible and of course he has a number of different strategies as it relates to that simply put for me i would tell anyone that you need to be out of debt before you retire. I mean, if your home is paid off and you're, you're debt-free, retirement is so much easier uh, in terms of your dollars going farther uh, because of that. And, you know, a lot of us see appreciation, but you have to understand that a, a big part of appreciation is what? It's inflation. It's the reduction in the value of a dollar. So even though you may say that you've seen an awful lot of appreciation, and it's a real shame that we don't get credit for the inflation as it relates to appreciation of property, because we have to pay income tax, capital gains tax, on all of the appreciation over our basis. Uh, but we don't get any credit for the fact that a part of that appreciation is simply inflation. 
Well, you know, uh, paying off your debts before retirement is something that you have mentioned a, a number of times on this program, and it's uh, also something that you go over in your podcast, Bill, the Asset Protection Today podcast, which you can find anywhere where you listen to podcasts, or you can also find links to that at WGALaw.com. That's where you can find plenty more information about Bill and also download some past episodes of the Asset Protection Today podcast, Law. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can Register for Bill's free seminars dealing with long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning. It's free to register, WGALaw.com. Just click on that seminars button. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, um, you know, we uh, I was just talking about your podcast before we went to break. And you, you have some episodes there where you talk about the importance of uh, advanced powers of attorney and why uh, that's so important for what you do in your practice as an elder law attorney that uh, seniors in particular really need to pay attention and make sure that this document is doing exactly what they need it to do. Well, for anyone who's listened to me for very long at all, I regularly talk about the fact that most seniors do not have the right kind of documents, legal documents, and particularly the one that's defective more often than not for most seniors is the general durable power of attorney. Now, the good news is the majority of seniors are smart enough to have legal documents, but unfortunately, most seniors think that all documents are the same And if they've got one, they've got what they need. And that's a huge, huge mistake. Now, if an elder law attorney has drafted your general durable power of attorney, then it is likely that you have a good power of attorney that will work for you in the event uh, you have a a catastrophic event such as long-term care needs. Uh, and you need to do some asset protection planning because you got to have one of two things in order to do what I call crisis planning. You have to have a lucid person or you have to have a, an advanced or a, 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 an effective general durable power of attorney that will allow you to do the kinds of things that you need to do to protect your property. And that's why there are an awful lot of seniors that the families come in to see us and we find that we, we are handcuffed. We're limited in terms of what we can do without going to court and getting a judge's permission because the power of attorney is not sufficient. And now don't, I'm not saying they don't have a power of attorney. I'm saying they have a regular old power of attorney that most attorneys give their clients. The problem is they're not sufficient when you get into a crisis and really need to be able to do some things that um, 
those, you know, a lot of folks mistakenly think that with a general durable power of attorney, you can do anything you need to do for your principal. Not true. Big lie. The fact is you're limited in most of those documents. The, the great majority of those powers of attorney are what I call transactional documents. They will allow you to pay the bills. They'll allow you to, to sell the truck, sell the house, things like that. But in terms of what you need to be able to do to protect it, they don't. Now, I thought I would take a few minutes uh, this morning to explain what is it about these powers of attorney that aren't good enough in order, you know, why are they not good enough? Okay, so what is it that you need to find in your power of attorney that oftentimes is not there? Well, and realize that uh, you can transfer property in a Medicaid crisis to your spouse without any kind of sanction or problem. There's no tax issue involved with it. There's no Medicaid problem with transferring property to your spouse. So when I have a Medicaid crisis, the first thing we want to do is move all of the assets to the spouse. Now, if the applicant, the sick spouse, is lucid, no problem. But oftentimes they're sick. No, they're not lucid. They don't have the ability to sign another document. So if they don't have a power of attorney or their power of attorney is not sufficient, then we have to go to court in order, and that takes time and money, to get approval if we can get a judge uh, to agree with us on transferring property. So what is it? that we need in our power of attorney that most of you out there don't have. Okay, well, the first thing is you need uh, the ability to for unlimited gifting to your spouse. Uh, now, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of powers of attorney that don't even mention the spouse as a potential donee. They talk about the children and the grandchildren and gift splitting, but they don't say you can make a gift to the spouse. Well, that's key. Oftentimes, it does, it, it's limited gifting. In other words, it, it can say you can make any gift that I've made historically. You can make any gift as long as it's under the exemption amount of $15,000 per year. Uh, or there may be other qualifications on what kind of gift you can make or not make. Well, guess what? Most of the time, what we're trying to do is to gift the house and all of the money over to the healthy spouse. Well, guess what? If you're limited to $15,000 a year, you can't do it. If your spouse is not named as a potential donee, you can't do it. If the and this is another common thing, oftentimes they won't say that you can gift real estate. It'll just say you can make gifts, but it doesn't say gifts of real or personal property. In North Carolina, if it doesn't say real property, you can't gift real property, even if the gifting is unlimited. So there, um, the, another really important thing is that. Because more often than not, your spouse is, in fact, your agent, the person who's 
going to make the gift to themselves. And so it has to specifically authorize the agent to make a gift to themselves. And if that's not in there, a gift would be illegal and a breach of fiduciary obligation. So in essence, these are all common situations in a typical power of attorney. Now, every short-form power of attorney, which is the power of attorney that's most commonly used in North Carolina, whether you get it out of a book or an attorney gives it to you, is defective for advanced planning or asset protection planning or Medicaid planning or VA planning or anything along those lines because your short-form power of attorney, in fact, limits your gifting to historical gifts and the like. And so there are lots and lots of issues with gifting. Now, other things that oftentimes powers of, of attorney do not address, which can be important, is your agents the, the ability to control your retirement accounts. That might be to change a beneficiary, or it might be to be able to annuitize it to a Medicaid-qualified annuity, or it might be just to be able to use it to pay your bills and take more than your minimum required distribution. There are a lot of folks with very large retirement accounts where I say Medicaid planning's not in the book for you, that the tax hit would be worse than simply paying for the care that you need. And so in cases like that, being able to pull down the retirement account during those years in order to pay those bills is, is really important. And it's, it's doubly important that you use your retirement account at that time because it will give you a tax deduction to offset the income from the ordinary income from the retirement account. So all of those are critical reasons why an elder law needs to, an elder law attorney needs to draft your general durable power of attorney when you're a senior, when you're in your retirement years. It's a no-brainer. And if you're in need of an elder law attorney, hey, we're talking to one right now. Go to WGALaw.com. There you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also call the office as well, 919-256-7000, or online at WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we were just talking about the importance of the power of attorney document. And there's one other nugget that you want to slip in with that. Well, it's really important because if you're going to do an advanced power of attorney, as I recommend to most of my clients, the one critical factor is you have to have the right agent. Because if you're going to give that kind of authority, you have to know that your agent will do exactly what needs to be done for you. And that, I mean, it's a fiduciary duty. And in North Carolina, there are two rules. Number one, do what the principal would do. You know, if they've told you what to do, it's your duty to do it. 
if uh, if you don't know what they would want, then your duty is to do what's in their best interest. That's a fiduciary duty. But, you know, not everyone has a trustworthy agent. They don't have a trustworthy agent. You're better off having a simple power of attorney that's not going to work for asset protection planning because people who are not trustworthy are highly likely to take advantage of you. And that's a huge problem in North Carolina where family members do, in fact, take advantage of their parents or grandparents or otherwise or friends, depending on the situation. So having that perfect, trustworthy agent is always key in any kind of of power of attorney that you sign. It's a critical decision to make and make sure that you have plenty of guidance along the way. If you want to have some guidance from Bill, you can go to WGALaw.com to schedule an appointment to speak with him. WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill's seminars coming up next month. We just had uh, Bill's set of seminars this past week. But, hey, he does it the second Wednesday of every month. So be sure to register for those coming up on Wednesday, March 10th. Of course, these cover long-term care assistance that deals with Medicaid and VA benefits, as well as Asset Protection and Trust Planning, WGALaw.com. Just click on that Seminars button. It's free to register and free to attend. And this is just an incredible amount of information uh, that you can find on these subjects. And if you want to find out more information as well, you prefer to call the office. That phone number is 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great day.